Let's get away from the, the pictures and the business for a while. You're a man who has, uh, certainly in this interview, uh, mentioned your, your sons uh, a great deal. Your family's very important to you. Uh, you've talked about your wife. How often do you get the opportunity to uh, close that door, that professional door, and uh, spend quality time with members of your family? Oh, quite often. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, you know, I couldn't exist without that. It's very clear in my mind who I am. You know, uh, the tragedy in our profession is if somebody starts out and isn't equipped to deal with the fact and fantasy. Uh, I have never thought I was the champion or I was uh, Van Gogh. I was always, it was always clear in my mind that I was playing the role of a champion. So when people say, well, geez, you know, you were, oh, you were so wonderful in that part. You just lost yourself in the part. I say, no, no, no. I didn't lose myself in that part. You lost yourself in the mm, part. Good point. The art of acting is to enable an audience to lose themselves on what is happening on the screen. That's what it's all about. You don't go to a movie to get a lecture. A movie may have secondarily an important, uh, an important uh, statement but you go there to be entertained in one way or another, to be swept away by what is happening on the screen, whether in my case it's fighting it out with Burt Lancaster in Gunfight of the O.K. Corral or with uh, Laurence Olivier in Spartacus or, you know, whatever it might be. You try to create something that takes the audience out of their life for about an hour and a half and two hours. And to me, the therapeutical value of being able to do that is one of the greatest contributions of movie making. When I think that, uh, you know, around 65 movies that I've made are seen all over the world, there's not a day or a night that a few of my films are not shown somewhere. And whenever I travel, as I have all over the world, and find this instant recognition, uh, you begin to think, aside from other facets it's it, it's really worthwhile you have yeah. done something yeah. meaningful and i think that a lot of people forget that See, they they use the word entertainment becomes sort of like a dirty word it's not pretentious mm -hmm. enough well i think it's quite uh, meaningful and quite important <clears throat> tell us about the project in australia how much can you reveal about it well uh it really hasn't been announced because I never like to announce things and until it's all everything is set because anything can happen in filmmaking yes. before a picture gets started but I was in Australia uh, about six months ago and I met quite a few of the talented actors uh, and the talented directors you know and uh, I was very impressed I got to talk with them Bruce Beresford and Simon Winston and George Miller and a few other people <clears throat> And uh, I, I love the excitement of a whole new wave of filmmakers there. And they presented me with this project, The Man from Snowy River, which is really based uh, on a famous Australian poem. And they developed a script that I thought was quite exciting. And at first I rejected it, but thought it was in, you know, interesting, mm -hmm. gave them what suggestions I had. They came back and it kept improving. And finally, I, I enjoyed my association and began to be intrigued with the script and agreed to do it. And uh, if all goes according to plan, in the middle of March, I'll be down under and be shooting the picture for about 10 weeks. What other types of businesses has Kirk Douglas got himself involved in over the years?
Well, I have an investment program. I have people who uh, handle my finances. I've gone through the usual pattern that's uh, endemic to people in our profession of having unscrupulous people taking care of yourself because an actor or any so-called artist in any profession is not equipped. We don't take courses in economics. Telling me. <laughs> and suddenly and you find... Too. Yes, <laughs> certainly it happens, you know, and, and people just are ready there and suddenly, you know, oh, you think, oh, sure, God, you take the money, you handle it, you know, right. let me work on the script and make the sure. movie and all that. So I've had, as a matter of fact, a, a fantastic sad book can be written of, uh, you know, the unscrupulous things that have happened uh, to actors who worked all their life and suddenly lucky, hit it, start to make money, and there's somebody there to do it. Well, so I've gone through all those periods of uh, bad management, and now, oddly enough, they talk about women's lib. My wife handles all the financing. People look at me, I said, listen, they give me about a hundred bucks a week. I said, I don't have any money. I guess wherever I go, I sign things. And uh, my wife handles things. Occasionally we discuss things. Uh, she has people who she trusts who advise her. And I must say, since then, things have gotten a lot better. <laughs> and uh, so she engages in an investment program or, you know, uh, yeah. with people working with accountants and lawyers and all that. I'm occasionally there, but she uh, quarterbacks it. Sometimes I think she works uh, really too hard, but she has a, uh, a capacity to do that. So really we're partners after all uh, in America in especially California, we have what's called community property. Yes. So half of everything, yes. half of and whatever I have is hers and vice versa. Half of what she has is mine. I sometimes right. think she has more. <laughs> and uh, so from that point of view, I've, I've been fortunate because I've kind of, uh, bowed out. I occasionally, as I say, take part in meetings and discussions, but for the most part, that's not my area. At the same time, I rarely ask my wife, well, I do occasionally, what does she think about this script or that? I, you know, that's, that's my department to try to set up things, whether it's for television, uh, a movie, whether it's a movie I should be in or shouldn't be in. You know, I've had my own company, Bryna, which probably is the first company built by an actor, uh, you know, back, way back to 1954, and that's my, that's my area. But the area of financing, and uh, so I always say, geez, women's lib, I've, I've been in favor of that 25 years ago. In other words, my theory is, uh, uh, I think, to digress a moment when they talk about women's lib, a woman should be permitted to do whatever she's capable of doing. Sometimes, what people forget, that just the actual running of a home Oh, yeah. And taking care of the home and taking care of a husband and kids and, and is, is a tougher job than a lot of the things that people are doing going to an office. Believe me, I think, I don't say this condescendingly, I actually think that. According to the statistics and the people who work out things like statistics and ratios of salary, etc., that the average North American housewife should be paid uh, close to about $45,000 a year if we, they base it on the amount of work done, etc. Let's go into another area for a um, just a brief period of time. The city in which we are talking today has been referred to over the years as as Tinseltown, uh, the glamour city, uh, all those other things that, uh, that go along with it. Is Los Angeles and the business of motion pictures a tough one for the the amateur, the the young professional to break into? 
Oh, of course. I mean, you know, the odds of breaking into this <coughs> field is uh, very, very high. And uh, it's high because there's so many people who want to do it. Every year there are thousands and thousands of pretty girls and talented young kids who are coming here. A lot of them ill-prepared. But it's not a tinsel town. It's a tough town. Tinsel seems so fragile. Yes. It's, you know, real tough steel. And it's, uh, it's a town that does much more than people realize. It's a town that's uh, because of the instant recognizable factor of the people in it. Uh, no one has any concept of the amount of charitable work that's being done in different, in different areas. To me, we talked about awards some time ago. The most uh, important award I ever received was, uh, you know, only about three, we three weeks ago from President Carter when I received the highest civilian award you could be, uh, that, you could re that you could get the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Now, a lot of people wanted to see, well, what did Kirk get that award for? And it surprised me because Really, my wife deserves half of it because uh, we, for about a period of five years, made trips all over the world to uh, more than 40 countries where I spoke primarily to university groups. In Belgrade, I spoke to 5,000 students talking about my country uh, and through, uh, talking about it through my own uh, life the son of illiterate Russian immigrants who have came here. Uh, my ability, because of our system, to go through, uh, get a college education, go through dramatic school, and finally end up in my chosen work, and then go into a question and answer session with these people. See, my theory has always been dialogue. Yeah. Uh, you have a peaceful world as long as people t are talking. You have a peaceful marriage as long as people are talking. When the lines of communication break down, you have disaster. So in a small way, what I was doing over those years was hoping to encourage other people in other areas, whether they're movie stars, uh, sports uh, heroes uh, in the field of music or theater, to go in different areas of the world to talk as Americans. And uh, so therefore, because this had happened 10 years back, it came as a pleasant surprise that it was brought to President Carter's attention, and he bestowed on me the, the Medal of Freedom. I'm proud of that, but at the same time, I look around and I see uh, people like Frank Sinatra with all the uh, criticism he's received, yeah. uh, so many people being unaware of the tremendous charitable things that he's done. You know, during the war... Here, you know, big companies that had contracts with the government were making millions of dollars would get an E. I didn't see E's, flags with E's flying around uh, Hollywood, but at the same time during those periods, w we give away our product. Sure. The films, they're shown, you know, to all the soldiers. We, we go around helping the USO, aside from those of us, like myself, who's in the Navy, you know, who have enlisted. So really, uh, I think that when they say Tinseltown, yeah. it's a very, very small part. Because, yes, it has tinsel in it, too. Sure. Uh, but underneath it is a much harder, meaningful substance that I think uh, 
has uh, continued, and that's why, uh, no matter with all the attacks, criticism, Hollywood filmmaking is still the leader in the world. How many other jobs has Kirk Douglas held in his lifetime oh. other than an actor? Let's hear about just some of them. Oh, my gosh. You know, I always say my life would be a B script. <laughs> I'd never want to make a movie out of it. You know, it's so corny. Uh, and it's so common uh, in, in, in our country. You know, yeah. you know, I always think of that line in, in Champion with the announcer when I come into the ring bouncing around mm -hmm. before the big fight. And the announcer says, from the depths of poverty, he rose to become champion of the world. You know, da 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 ba ba da bum ba ba bum <laughs> You know, and uh, I think my story in that respect uh, is not unique because although I'm probably the end of an era, because I grew up with many uh, kids who had the same thing, that same background of coming from, you know, the, the strength of our country is the fact that what is an American outside of an Indian who's a really true America, uh, America's made up of people who've come from all different lands. The power of Hollywood is that, uh, you know, the director of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is Milos Forman, who just came in from Czechoslovakia. Uh, Roman Polanski, when he was working here, came from Poland. Uh, Billy Wilder came from Vienna. Uh, you know, so really you have a mixture of people from all over the world. And that continues. You know, we have more uh, English talent in Hollywood than probably exists now in London. Uh, so really, uh, that is what the str is the strength of America. A lot of and, Canadians down here, too. Oh, innumerable. Donald Sutherland, Norman Jewis, and Dan Petrie. And, of course, uh, the reason I'm talking to you is uh, for a dear, very dear friend of mine said, listen, Kirk, I want you to talk to this guy, uh, Terry Moore, uh, Monty, when Monty Hall called sure. me. And Monty is a, is a tremendous guy. A lot of people right. forget he's Canadian. I know he's right. Canadian. Right. And people forget he's Canadian because he does so many worthwhile he, things, he not he only does. in Canada, but he's yeah. all over. Right. I don't know how he does all that he does, but he's a terrific guy. If he calls me and, uh, you know, I respect him too much. He calls me and asks me to do something for him. I'm delighted to do it. But that's what uh, the... Uh, you know, our country's all about, because when you ask me a question, I find I quickly digress, sure, because your, right, your question was based on how many jobs have I had. Yeah. Well, I've done everything, you know, sold uh, papers, I've been a gardener, I've been a, 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 a you know, a, a, a waiter. Uh, you know, I don't know, I worked in a steel mill. I think I once figured out I had about 31 different jobs, you know, from the time I was uh, a little kid. I used to have a my own private enterprise with a, used to, when I was a kid of nine or ten with a wagon filled with a big box of ice with soda pop and candy and I used to sell it, go around the windows of the mill workers and sell it to the sure. mill workers. And so I've had all kinds of jobs, but most people have had all kinds of jobs. Uh, and yet, I, I, my attitude now is quite different. When I talk to my sons, who have been brought up in a certain amount of affluence, mm -hmm. I say to them that they have not had my advantages because I was born poor. I had nowhere to go but up. That gave me the motivation or else you just, you know, uh, disappeared. Whereas kids who know that there's always enough to eat, that they will always be taken care of, and still can develop 
a motivation to do something in life, I don't know. If I were put to that test, I might have become a, a happy playboy going around skiing, playing tennis, having a lot of fun, and may not have done anything in life. I don't know. I've never been confronted with that. So in a strange way, I admire my kids more uh, than I admire myself because uh, what I have done, thousands and thousands of Americans have done, and that is, you know, poverty is a spur. Yeah. Uh, you know, poverty, hunger. And that's why they talk about, you know, is the box, is he hungry enough? Right. You see? Right. Well, if he's not hungry enough, he won't do well. So I came from a, a, the, an era where there were a lot of hungry people who wanted to do something. I'm going to mention some names to you. Some you will recognize. Uh, I think most you will recognize. Some you will have worked with. Others uh, you will have had some degree of contact over the years. And what I'm looking for is a, uh, a one-liner response or whatever you feel when you hear the name. Uh, we call it a, it's like a verbal Rorschach test. Fair sure. enough? Sure. All right. Lawrence Olivier. Excellent actor, gentle, kind man, helpful. Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, I have never worked with him, but uh, he could probably follow a lot of the, what I've said about Olivier because he is an excellent actor. But in Alec Guinness's case, his, uh, he's a shadowy figure. I know him, I don't know, I can't think of him personally. I think of him more as the characters he plays on the screen. All right. James Stewart. Jimmy Stewart, uh, a gentle, fine man who knows his profession and has always done an excellent job. Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn, an amusing, volatile, uh, childlike man who's uh, fun to be with, uh, who uh, tells tall tales, and is always uh, an exciting personality. Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper, uh, I didn't know very well. Uh, he was in life the way he appeared on the screen, taciturn, so it was very uh, difficult to to really know what he was thinking. Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn, I've only seen her work. I think she's brilliant. I think she's a very intelligent person, a fine uh, actress who started in this silly little things in Laugh-In and now has developed, who obviously, like a lot of people uh, who surprise you, has a brain because she's also developed uh, in her last movie as a fine producer. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand, great talent, uh, enigmatic, uh, I think has a problem dealing uh, with her instantaneous success. I think when she comes to grips with that, I think her talents will go in many directions. And Anne Bancroft. Anne Bancroft, a very strong, powerful uh, actress. Paul Newman. Paul Newman, a delightful person. Uh, charming, but somehow distant. As, 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 as much as you know uh, Paul Newman, you, never, you always feel there's a certain wall mm -hmm. between him and you, but an excellent actor. Former President Carter. Well, former President Carter, I have great affection for. I felt he was a very intelligent man. Uh, I felt he made many mistakes. Uh, I felt that uh, he was sincere. Uh, possibly, if he had had another uh, four-year term, he might have been able to correct some of the mistakes he made, and I think he was also a victim 
of world circumstances that were very hard to unravel, and we hope that our present president might be able to unravel them. We'll see. Pablo Picasso. Of course, uh, when I think of Picasso, I think of those two beautiful paintings of Picasso that I owned uh, for years and sold them about seven years ago. <laughs> the tragedy of my life was when I went to the Modern Museum of Art, uh, the pa uh, Picasso retrospective went around the corner, and there facing me was, was my one of my Picassos. I almost wanted to take it off the wall. And how much had it gone up in price? Oh, I don't want to think about that. But in this case, I actually had an emotional response to that. But Picasso himself, I've met Chagall, Miro, I never met Picasso, but they have the same quality. It's that even to the age of 90, there's every artist you'll find has a childlike quality. Right. Now, it might be coupled with the shrewdness. Picasso is also a very good businessman. But this genius always has the childlike quality that enables him to see things differently from other people. If you ever come to Vancouver, I will take you to a charming little restaurant in Vancouver that has an actual <clears throat> Picasso pen and ink labeled, numbered the whole thing, in the men's room over the toilet. I think that's a lot of style. That's a lot of style. Uh, Puccini. Uh, Puccini, obviously a uh, brilliant, uh, a brilliant artist, uh, created some great music, but I have no personal right. feeling about the man. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra is an enigma. I've known him for 25 years, uh, and he is he will always somehow go to a certain point and then destroy things. Uh, he's a mixture of many elements, but underneath is, to me, is obviously uh, a great artist, especially in the field of music, and a great humanitarian. I mean, if anyone is really has a problem, the guy to go to to help for help is Sinatra. David Jansen. I love David Jansen. Uh, it, to me. It's a tragic loss when he died. I've worked with him. Uh, David is, had a great sense of humor that I miss. And to me, humor is one of the most important ingredients in life. George Burns. George Burns I've known for many years. Again, a tragic, peculiar uh, concatenation of events that enabled George Burns, after the death of his best friend, Jack Benny, to emerge at the pinnacle of his career. Are you aware of the line that Milton Berle's line, uh, wife uh, delivered after you said to George Burns, it's interesting to see a man who has uh, begun a new career at the age of 84. Milton Berle's wife turned around and said, I can't wait till Milty gets old. <laughs> well, you know, Milton Berle's wife, Ruth, Ruth yes. is very, very bright and very, very sharp. Yes. And lots of times, she's about the only one who can cope with, uh, with Milton's quick wit. Yes. Mr. Douglas, thank you so much for your time today. You've been a delight to talk to, and uh, thank you for sharing your time with our Vancouver audience. Well, Terry, I thank you, and I thank Monty Hall. I enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, Vancouver is one of the places that I'm, I almost went to visit last year, and I hope I'll be there soon because I know how beautiful it is, and uh, I hope I'll have the chance to see it. Please do, and when you do come, uh, contact me, and I'll show you that Picasso. Terry, I'll be in that men's room with you, <laughs> okay. <laughs>